When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall, a podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Joe Quazala, and you know me. I know too much about the Rock Hall, but, you know, if there was ever a time to know a bunch about this weird institution, it would be now. Uh, Inductees are going to be announced very soon, probably in a matter of weeks. And joining me is someone who does not care about the Rock Hall, but she's in it to win it. Who knows? Uh, It's Kristen Sutter. Hi, Kristen. Still potting after all these years, yet somehow I cannot believe this. The our three-year anniversary picture of the first time I ever talked publicly about this show came up like <laughs> two weeks ago. And I was like, I cannot believe it. Yeah. I mean, that's I don't think that's something we've mentioned on the show before, but it's three years we've been doing this show. Pretty wild how far we've come, the things we've seen, the places we've gone. Oh my gosh. Well, Kristen, you're sounding crisp on the AKG. You know, I got to say that. You know, I got to get that out of the way. You simply do. You simply do. Turn me up in the headphones, if you will. Uh, (laughs) Thank you to AKG for the microphone. And uh, let's bring in our guest. I'm very excited to have him. He is a music writer, critic, and is the editor-in-chief at Level Mag. Let's bring in John Kennedy. Hi, John. Hey, what's up, Joe? What's up, Christian? Thank you so much for uh, for being here. Excited to have you. Uh, Usually the first thing that I ask our guests, knowing that the Rock Hall is an institution that people don't typically know too much about. What's your reference level for the Rock Hall? Have you seen an induction ceremony? Do you pay attention in the slightest? I think my attention toward the Rock Hall is probably on par with the average person. As far as one to two times a year, it'll cross my mind. I guess when the nominations are announced in the inductees, induction ceremony, um, have, have never watched it, but just sort of peripherally pay attention. Yeah, that's the typical human experience. <laughs> Pretty much a common answer, unless you're friends with Joe, in which case it's like, yeah, I think about it if it's ever in the news or if I happen to have run into Joe at a party. <laughs> I mean, that's really the, the function of this podcast was that I would have this as an outlet so I would stop bringing it up at parties. So, uh, well, are you familiar at all with, with the ballot this year? Yes, yes. I have seen some of the names in the ballot. Yeah, it seems like it's a wild year. Yes, like they're sort of listening to people's feedback on diversity and, you know, just getting a bunch of different folks in there. I felt personally heard when this ballot came out. I could not have been more shocked, surprised, and pleased to see this happen. Just like I said, we've been doing this show for three years and 
some of the ballots and some of the classes that were inducted and the things that we had to cover were pretty um, grim. Grim. That is the word. <laughs> grim. And this grim. year I took a look at this ballot and I'm like, okay, you could really make a pretty good case for everybody on it. And I'm not gritting my teeth and being like, oh, great. <laughs> It'll just be another year. So I'm pretty excited too. John, why don't we have you? Let's play John Kennedy is a rock hall voter. So these are your choices. You got 16 artists to choose from. And if you had a ballot, you would get to choose up to five now, what mm. do we think? Who would you choose? Man, uh, this is tough. Uh, like Kristen just said, there's a lot of great acts on here. I'm going to start with the person that we're here to discuss today. Mm-hmm. Jay-Z. I believe this is his first nomination, correct? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the his... first year he's eligible. Ah, first year he's eligible. I think it's great to see him on there. I know there's, there's some folks on there that have been nominated a bunch of times and haven't made their way in yet. I think LL is one of those folks, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yes. You are correct on that. Yes, indeed. <laughs> this is number six for LL, mm-hmm. and he's been eligible for, I think, over 10 years at this point. More yes. like LL eligible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. Why have I, why have A, why have I never said that? And B, why did I just say that? So, you know, I'm living in, in yeah. the middle of those two questions. I'm just happy that I'm here for, for Rock Hall pod history. <laughs> yeah. Finally, I can't believe that I've never said that. It's a very, it, I mean, it was sitting right there the whole time. And like I said, he's been eligible for a while i really okay so we we can, we can count on a on a jay-z vote who else sure. looks appealing here mary j blige for sure the queen of hip-hop soul she's been doing it at such a high level for such a long time um i think she would have to be in there plus we need more women in the rock and roll hall of fame and she is if you're talking women in music she's one of one of our icons mm-hmm. yes sir um, so I would say Mary J. Blige. I got to give it to LL. I'm from Queens. So, you know, there's a little bias, but also he's just hip hop legend. He's done so much crossover stuff between, you know, the stuff he was doing at Def Jam in the 80s. I don't know. It just seems like a like such a, an obvious fit for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, he's foundational. Yeah. I mean, we're pretty confident that Jay-Z is going to get in before LL. Yeah. And, you know, the order of that is wrong, but also on some level, it's like... You got to get hip hop acts into the rock hall any way you can. You know, if the order is not there, that's too bad, but you kind of can't be picky. Mm-hmm. If only you could get a couple in at a time, wouldn't that be great? We'll get wouldn't... there, but it's, you know, <laughs> how long it's take. So not we got ready. Jay-Z, LL, MJB. All right. Things are looking good on this ballot. <sighs> and who else is looking good to you? I think it's weird that Tina Turner is not in as a solo artist, mm-hmm. but she's mm-hmm. in as a duo. As I can Tina, yep. yeah. So I think that that's odd. I feel like she should be in. The last one is is tough for me. Fela is huge. Shaka Khan, obviously another legend. Mm. Dionne Warwick. Dionne Warwick, I, I'm going to go on the record and say she has the best Twitter account on Twitter. Oh, <laughs> she's she, Yeah, she's killing it. She, she was mm-hmm. already a legend and then she just came back to remind you. She was like, oh, excuse me. <laughs> I've logged on. I have entered the chat and here I am to uh, remind you of my status. It is legendary. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. A Twitter account that's so impactful that I believe it had something to do with her winding up on the ballot for the first time this year. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Which she shouldn't need that. Her career should speak for itself. But I think the momentum built through her social media has really uh, caused things like this, which is cool to see. 
for so sure. you got one more slot. Who's it going to? Shaka, Dion, Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'm gonna go with, with Dion Warwick. Love to see it. At, at the very least, hopefully, I get a, a shout out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good ballot. That's a good, a good ballot, ballot, though. I, you know, my girl Shaka, I talk about this all the time. I just, she and LL have both been nominated. Like, she, are they the most nominated on the ballot this year? Yes, they are. And then who's behind them? Todd and. This is Todd's third. Um, Rage, maybe. Rage is third. Yeah. So. Wow. Did you see that? Did you see how I just knew that? Whoa. I hate it. And wow. Good for me, though. Well, uh, I want to talk about. Jay-Z, I want to, yes. let's get into it. Let's start with the personal. Do you remember the first time you heard Jay-Z? Hmm, I do. I don't, so the first time I heard Jay-Z, I don't know if I, if it was quite a moment for me. Mm-hmm. It was probably on Life After Death. He has a song with Biggie called I Love the Dough. Push the hottest bees, peel fast through the city, play Monopoly with real cash. Me and Biggie and the models be shaking nace to diddy ass and parada be something you cats got. To- and yeah, I was, a, I was a huge Biggie fan and that was around the time I was getting into music. I was a little bit more of a casual fan, I guess. But I had, I had an old, I have an older sister who she used to work at a CD store, so she would have every, literally every album. So I, I, I was just always around it. But yeah, I was such a big Biggie fan and, and the way that I saw them going back and forth and just really like elevating each other on a song, that sort of stood out to me. But the, the moment when I knew I was like a fan was probably about a year after that. The album in between volume one and volume two, he did um, a soundtrack for Streets is Watching. And yeah, basically the summer of 1998, all you heard on the radio was... Money in the thing with him and um Jermaine Dupri. For me, that was like, okay, I'm a fan of this guy. Is this happening at the same time as you are becoming a writer? I think I, I always knew I wanted to be a writer from when I was in middle school, like writing essays and getting good grades on them. My same older sister, Nicole, she would also buy all the magazines. So she'd buy Vibe and The Source and XXL. And at some point I realized, oh, this is like a career for people. Like people actually get paid to do this. Like <laughs> <Right>. I, <laughs> I would do this for free. Turns out I would not do this for free, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's something that I, I just, at that point I sort of realized, okay, this is, this is something that, uh, that I, I want to do for a career. And actually, okay, one thing to add, because this is related, when I was in college, um, I went to Howard University. My freshman year, I was supposed to write a compare and contrast essay. And naturally, I wrote one on Jay-Z and us. So, (laughs) wow, is that? New York. I got an A on it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The New York York vibes is is, is loud in here, yeah. (laughs) Was it the first time you you put pen to paper about uh, Jay-Z? Probably, yeah. Yeah, I think that was. I'm going to have to like self-publish that uh, to the web one these days. Yes. Let the people college essays. I got an A. It's it's super basic, but yeah, it was was good. (laughs) And, you know, I I knew that I wanted you to be on this particular episode to do Jay-Z because of the massive undertaking of ranking every Jay-Z song for Vulture. Oh, man. 
<laughs> like the the task at hand there you you can't do that unless like you're ready to go deep on the catalog yeah i do no research for this show i come in with my own opinions that i've already formed just through my basic life <laughs> uh and i had heard that you had done a thing of this and now i'm like okay so we're going from 285 songs at the time of publication <laughs> damn uh, unreal <laughs> People have asked me the craziest thing I've done for money, and it would definitely be that. Uh, that was a, a crazy undertaking. Um, yeah, that that took probably four to five weeks, I would say. And the process was just crazy. First, listing every song. Um, we gave some parameters just to keep it manageable. Yeah. So we didn't we didn't include remixes with one or two exceptions. We didn't keep songs he was featured on, so just his own songs. And there might have been one or two other parameters. So, so the but... Heartbreaker remix, not in here anywhere. Okay. <laughs> Sorry for that. The I love his verse on that is one of my favorites. How much of that is... Like you already, like I, I would imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, you already have a general sense of like what the order is going to be, but then you also have to revisit and and then kind of refine from there. Yeah, I would say that that's that's accurate. I um had a general sense, like how I how I did it. Once I listed the songs, I sort of came up with almost like like chunks. Like okay, there are two hundred, like almost three hundred. So what would be definitely in the top 100? What would be mm -hmm. probably in the, in the bottom and what's in the middle? And then from there, sort of figuring out what feels right where. But the thing that's, that's, that's challenging and was challenging for me doing this is when you're doing this kind of list, you're sort of, it's personal, but it's also like, you're kind of doing it for an audience in a way. Yeah, of course. And so I guess, like I might have like a, a super random song that's my favorite jay-z song but it'll be it might be weird to put as number one on the list like this so it's, it's balancing the critical the personal and the commercial yes. yeah i'm like looking in here i'm like okay i see lucifer has made it to number 22. I'm looking to see like where are my faves in here you know mm -hmm. that's that's the challenge because it's it's a question of greatest versus like favorite, right? Mm -hmm. Like what, what do you take into account to evaluate something as great? That's not necessarily going to be your own personal taste that you have. It, the, it's the decision or the, the pursuit to try and be objective about music is so crazy. And right. <laughs> it is, it is what we do on the show every week too, because we're trying to like, like the Rock Hall, you, we just looked at the list of names. Like the task at hand for Rock Hall Voter is to, in a sense, rank all these disparate artists, which is like how on earth do you even begin to do that when you have different careers from different eras, from making wildly mm -hmm. different types of music, and then mm -hmm. you have to pick essentially who you think is better than the other ones. It's, it's an insane task. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And... When when this piece published, 
people on the internet quickly let me know uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that this is a fool's errand to do. Um, and it's it's funny because this will, so this published originally in 2017, 2017. Mm-hmm. And it's become sort of the gift that keeps on giving because every time his birthday passes or a new album comes out, they'll repost it and I'll get angry people in my in my mentions. <laughs> oh, is that the gift that you keep getting? <laughs> the curse. I love it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the gift and the curse. <laughs> Incredible. Have you uh have you ever seen Jay-Z live? I've seen him a bunch of times live, yeah. Ooh, I'm I'm curious about what tours and, and when that was. The one that comes to mind immediately is the Watch the Throne tour. Was it was amazing. God. Um, yeah. brilliant with the with the stage set up mm-hmm. and Jay was on one pillar and Kanye was on the other. I saw him on on the run on the run tour, as well. And that's him with Beyonce. Him with Beyonce, yeah. I saw when when they opened the Barclay Center. He did eight shows, I believe, back to back. Wow. I think I think I was on like night four of that. I feel like I've seen him a couple of other times, but those are the ones that that most immediately come to mind. Yeah. Well, obviously the the, the two tours where it's not just Jay-Z, but you also get Kanye and then the other one you get Beyonce. That's like, what an embarrassment uh, of riches. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I'm curious about like, are there, are there special guests beyond that? Like, I know that's something that, that is known to happen at a, at a Jay-Z concert, you know, someone coming out to, to take a verse or whatever. Oh yeah. All the time. And that actually reminds me of another one I saw that I can't believe I forgot. Um, this is last year. He did a B-Size concert. He brought out Cameron. He brought out Nas. He tends to bring out, I think I've seen him bring out Mary J. Blige before. Obviously Kanye at different points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that, a man. In the past, now we will say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope probably that, not, I, yeah. Probably the, not recently. The Kanye-J relationship seems to be uh, not in a good place right now, which is, I, I do. do we think we have hope for that? For that relationship, I would Does like. Does Kanye to see have a good relationship with anyone right now? At the I, moment, I, that's a good question. I, but I mean, I think oh. about you just, said, you just said Nas, and it's like Nas and Jay Z were like mortal enemies, and then you know now they seem to be cool. So I guess anything can happen. Mm-hmm. Even though some people, some people have pointed out that whenever Nas releases anything, Jay just happens to release something on the same day. <laughs> <laughs> So that that bad blood maybe still still is in there somewhere. Maybe still some friendly competition going on. Yeah, sure. maybe it's less like bad blood and more just kind of like side eye. <laughs> uh, now, now, you know, you know, Jay Z has had a long career, and you know, we could take a long time trying to summarize it. But I think it would be a good idea to kind of go through some bullet points before we really get into it, just about like what the career, what the backstory is uh, for Jay-Z, especially since, you know, we have a lot of listeners who are pretty rock centric. And I I think, even though I think one of the main draws and major qualities for Jay-Z is that it doesn't matter what kind of music you like, you, you know, about this person, like he's, he is far from obviously an obscure person, but you know, this is a guy who, and you know, given that he and LL are on the ballot, uh, at mm-hmm. the same time this year, I've been thinking about how they're really not that far apart in age, but mm-hmm. you, and but you think of them at, from different eras because LL was a, a teenage phenomenon, 
but you know, Jay-Z, his first record wasn't until he was like 26. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, the, the legend of, you know, he was a, he was a drug dealer. He was selling crack in. No, I had not heard that. Yeah. In, you know, in, uh... <laughs> well-documented, well-documented. And then, you know, his debut album is a massive, at the very least, critical success. You know, Jay would go on to then, you know, release albums and, you know, famously have a long string of number one albums. But his first effort out of the gate was kind of a, a monument of the form. Absolutely, yeah. And I think, so for me, I, reasonable doubt, I sort of went, had to go back and revisit um, just because I just wasn't, I think when that album came out, I might've been 11 years old. So I was, I not was primed, sort of, not primed for, for that, <laughs> that, not ready <laughs> to deal with maybe the themes involved. Exactly. Yeah. So I was, I was still, you know, not, not the big, not a huge like follower of, of music like that yet. But yeah, I mean, from my understanding, it's, when it came out, people knew it was good, but it sort of got that mythical status. I feel like after he became this huge star and sort of was pointing people back like, no, this is my best work, you know, go back and, and listen to this. Yeah. And then, you know, he, he's got a pretty consistent rate of releasing albums after that, just about one a year. And like I said, I, by the time we get to the third album, which is Hard Knock Life, volume two, from then, every release is an, is a number one album, and he's he's pretty much, he's releasing one a year until uh, two thousand three, which is when you know he he makes his alleged retirement. And mm-hmm. he, he, there's even the the story of at one point he was considering just releasing Reasonable Doubt, and then that was going to be it. That was going to be his statement, one and done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but there was a there was kind of a, more of a show of this is the last this is the last album and that was the the black album and like that's going to be it and he did a documentary kind of around like i was it was at the garden and it was like pay to black yeah yep. exactly and it was like i'm done and i'm going i don't want to uh i don't want to to do this anymore and i'm i'm curious about like i i and from what i understand and you, uh, please jump in and and drop the knowledge that i don't have but you know, he always had aspirations beyond just being a rapper, right? Like being a, a label head, uh, being mm-hmm. you I know. I the be- word you're looking for is mogul. Yeah, <laughs> mogul. For sure. Yep. Uh, and you know that that first he wasn't able to get a record deal in the very beginning, uh, and so he had to create he had to create Rockefeller. You know, he had mm-hmm. to because all the major labels said no, he had to forge on his own. And then famously after he did his, uh, his, I guess we'll call it first retirement, uh, he became the head, the president of, uh, of Def Jam. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. I did not know this, that he, he made rock. He did reasonable doubt come out on Rockefeller. I like, think did was, he self-release his first album? I think there was a distribution deal, but still the label was was Rockefeller for that first release. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, Jay. Go ahead. 
you, you've, you've done it. I mean, it is why I'm just like looking, <laughs> I'm like scrolling through and like looking and thinking and seeing the, the career that this man has had. And I mean, it goes beyond just kind of music. You were talking about kind of the mogulness of it too. It's like, he now has his hands in, in everything, many revenue streams, if you will. Uh, he's got, <laughs> he has diversified his portfolio. He has many revenue streams. He's out here. And then he all, I mean, I know that we'll get into this, but he is uh, married to Beyonce and uh, she is mm -hmm. also the most famous pop star in the fucking world. And like, it's just wild looking and thinking about his life and his career and thinking that it's funny, you know, you're like, oh, he was 26 when he released his first album. And it's funny because we do think of that as old for a rapper because yes. we are used mm -hmm. to young prodigies. We're used to people with young in their name. Uh, <laughs> but Lil like, you or know, young. Lil yeah, like young, you know, we're used to mm -hmm. that kind of youth. In, and so it's like, yeah, he didn't release his first album until he was 26. And it's funny because we're like in in other uh, genres <laughs> that would not be considered like a late bloomer or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're just we're we have kind of a, a different set of expectations, I think, uh, based in this genre. And mm -hmm. to think that like so he's 26 years old, he can't get his debut album released he kind of like makes his own album and then link i mean uh creates his own label is this what i'm gathering so his he made rockefeller to put out um reasonable doubt i believe he partnered with i want to say priority records if i'm not mistaken for that first release and i think there was another indie and right. i think the first def jam album was in 97 and it was more of like a sort of joint venture kind of situation um, so they teamed up and I think in order to get that, to get that actual situation going, this is, this sort of goes back to what Joe was talking about where he only, only wants to do one album. Um, and Def Jam was like, we'll, we'll help you with your label. We'll, you know, join forces with you, but we need you to keep putting out music. Like, why did he, do we know why he only wanted to do one album? Was he just like, I gotta go do other mogul shit? Like what? I think his ambitions was more in the direction of just being a label head and being sort of the, you know, the person behind the desk and having artists that he was, you know, putting out and, and finding and things like that. It's so interesting because I see him in hindsight, you know, I see him now where he is such a person in the spotlight. He is so known and, you know, I'm trying to imagine him wanting to be more of a like behind the scenes guy behind the desk, the kind of like label head person who you've heard of, but they're not, you're, you know, like we, we've heard Jimmy Iovine's name, but like nobody mm -hmm. knows what the hell he looks like or not many people do you know it's not right. like he <laughs> that his aspirations were to be less in the spotlight and now he is so incredibly famous right. it's such a like an irony and also who you don't hear very often that someone wants to put out one album <laughs> Like mm -hmm. most people are like, great. So my first album is out and now I can't wait for you to hear my new stuff. <laughs> or like I signed a multi uh, record deal or things like that. And it's just like, nah, I put this one album out and then I'm just going to use that as a springboard into other things. Kind of unfair. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you wonder how much of that is, is myth. 
legend. You know, yeah, yeah. Or, mm-hmm. or like making or or like self-preservation of like, I'm just going to put out one album and it's kind of protecting yourself. Oh, yeah. All I actually wanted to right. do was put out one album. It's not that they didn't ask me to put out a second one. It's that I actually chose. I said, I would like to just do one album. Thank you very much. Yeah, right. I said, keep your money. OK, I'm although, out here. Although you might you might think it is it is legit, given that he did end up attempting to retire. But I think at that point he was just man. It's just like you've you've tasted you've tasted the fame, you've tasted the power. And like, you can, you can have a tremendous amount of, of power as a label head, probably mm-hmm. more so to some degree, if you're really widening your kind of acquisitions, but you know, he, he just couldn't stay but with can it. you shut down the Louvre, mm-hmm. you know, like, can you as a label head just shut down the Louvre? Is that available to you? It's probably not, you know, I'm going to say it's probably not. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. And I think, uh, and I think there's also, there's the demand from the people, like he's just one of the most popular musicians and to retire when he did, which was in, I think his thirties still, it's like, yeah, you still got way more life in you and like kind of everybody knows it. So that self-imposed retirement was not, you know, didn't last very long. Yeah. I mean, the other thing too, to add to that is, He's he's compared himself to Michael Jordan in a lot of in a lot of different contexts and ways. And the retirement is sort of an obvious thing, the sort of like drive and not being able to stay away from the game. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think also the the competitive nature. I think Jay is hugely competitive and it, it sort of, I think, makes it fun for him and also for for fans and listeners. But it makes it fun, like to see new people coming out and becoming popular and feeling like I'm still a better artist than this person or I can still mm-hmm. rap better than this person mm-hmm. and I'm now going to show the world that you know yep oh yeah. Jay-Z I'm like <laughs> I'm like so excited to talk about all, so like so many aspects of his career I'm I'm just thrilled <laughs> I can't wait um I know what we're about to get into yeah so why, why don't goes, we, Joe. You know, we we talked about the the difficulty of being objective about these things whether it's comparing musicians to each other or like the task you had to do which was you know evaluate his songs and rank them uh and I think evaluating an artist on some objective level is kind of the only key to figuring out if an artist is going to be inducted into the rock hall or has a good shot. So I've come up with a list of categories that I think if you do well, you likely have a a good chance of induction. So why don't we take a little bit of a break? And then when we come back, we'll see how Jay-Z does in the categories. We'll be right back. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the show. We hope you had a nice little break there. We hope over your break. You, you uh, figured out what th- you came to the correct conclusion about what the best flavor of LaCroix is. It's key lime. <laughs> we trust that you came to that conclusion. <laughs> um, all right. Let's talk about Jay-Z. Jay-Z became eligible for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year. This is his first year eligible, and he made the ballot on his first year of eligibility. Quite a distinction. And he's eligible in 2021 because his first single 
uh, in my lifetime dropped in 1995. Jay's connections to the hall. He has inducted someone before in 2007. He inducted Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. If you watch the speech, it's only about two minutes long. It's on YouTube, and he is reading from his BlackBerry. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Say it is not so, Joe. Yeah. Wait, what year is this? 2002? Seven. Seven. No. I mean, yeah. I forget, though. I don't remember what things were like. I mean... I remember I was alive and I think I, I, but people did not have that many cell phones. People were, I was probably rocking a sidekick or a razor flip at in 2007. Yeah. That's how, that's what was, what was going down. He had a stylus. He was doing great. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I just, and also though, I, I'm assuming the ceremony was in New York that year. Yeah, it was. Okay. If he flew to Cleveland to give a two minute speech off his Blackberry, does he show up at all later in the show? Does he do anything else? Nope. That's it. He, he just gives the speech. Jay-Z likely would have been involved in the Biggie tribute last year, but there was no live performance. So that will always be a what if. What, did, did they talk to him at all in last year's uh, package? Yeah, yeah. He's in some of the interviews for the, the Biggie part. So so he's around. He's played ball a little. I just, I'm like, I think of him in 2007 versus him in 2021, as far as like his level of fame has grown even more now. And I just have to wonder, does he need the hall versus does the hall need him? The tables, they be turning, baby. Very good mm-hmm. question. Very good yep. question. Now let's let's go to our first category, which we might uh, get stuck in because there's a lot to say. <laughs> um, but it's iconic slash recognizable songs. Oh come on! Now there is so there was a ranked list of all of. <laughs> <laughs> now the songs. Th- this is for this category versus kind of what you did, John, with the uh, the ranking. This is mm-hmm. more like. What are the songs that Jay-Z did that even if you're not a Jay-Z fan, even if you're not even a a hip hop fan, what are the songs that like everybody knows that are like inescapable? And I would say, and this is going chronologically because I have really no other way to to do this, but I would Mm -hmm. say it kind of starts, it doesn't start with the first album, Reasonable Doubt. I don't think there's really that many songs off of really those first two albums that are still super ubiquitous. But it, it starts mm-hmm. starts with volume two with Can I Get a... I think that's, that's one of those ubiquitous songs. And also... Maybe even more so than that, hard knock life. I flow for those drove out. All my niggas locked down in the ten by four, controlling our house. We live in hard knocks. We don't take over, we ball blocks. Burn them down and you can have it back, Daddy. Hard knock life was like when that came out, I was like in sixth grade and not listening to hip hop at all. And like I I I couldn't escape it as like a fucking you know 12 year old or whatever like it, it mm-hmm. was just everywhere i knew that song before i knew annie 
I heard that sample. I, okay, you know, well, someone clearly didn't grow up in the theater, Joe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, as, it, as, as someone who grew up in the theater, Kristen, did that song blow your mind? I that, was, like, well, I couldn't believe that someone could do that and make it cool. Like I was just sh- shook. I 100% couldn't believe it. I couldn't like reconcile <laughs> the two things because to make Annie one of the most like little girl fantasy musicals like every little girl who grew up in the theater grows up being like this is a show with a lot of parts for girls (laughs) and there's one big part for me the star but like uh I was really because also Jay-Z was cool rap was cool and Annie was not cool and so I was like, how is this happening? The cognitive dissonance was overwhelming for me as a young person. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's really a feat to take such an unexpected sample like that as your hook and to, to make this gigantic, massively popular hip hop song that does not sacrifice any of its coolness. Right, I'm yeah. Like, who produced that song? That was Mark the 45 King. Yeah, I think I think it's kind of a testament too to hip hop's ability to just like take something old and make it new or take something unexpected and make it fresh or cool or just dope pretty much. Like that sample, it just sort of spoke to so many people's experience that probably weren't in the theater also. Yeah. <laughs> Did I grow up in the theater? For sure. <laughs> and the the next one that I would I would select it comes on the next album, Volume Three, Life and Times of S. Carter, which may, you know, it's it's without a doubt up there as one of his biggest songs, which is Big Pimpin'. If I told you it charted only at you know number eighteen on the charts, you would expect just from like how big it felt and how big it still feels that it would would have been one of the ones that like went to the top. Yeah, I'm like, mm-hmm. what were the first seventeen songs above? I like can't imagine a bigger song in right. that summer, especially and that mm-hmm. video. I mean, the video was iconic. Yeah, yeah, I mean, shit. I really. Number 18? Like it didn't go to, not even cracking the top 10? What is this it's chart? It's surprising, right? It's really Crazy. it's really surprising. And then off the next album, The Dynasty, Rock, Love, Familia, one of his best collaborations with the Neptunes, uh, I Just Want to Love You. I just want to love you. Just want to love you. I know you love me. And we oh. always care. Don't forget your man. Now give it to me. Give me that funk, that, that sweet, that, that nasty, that, that good uh-huh. stuff. But don't I was looking through the catalog just as we were chatting today and realizing too how many of the songs that I love of his, I can identify the producer and it's usually the Neptunes slash Pharrell or Kanye. And it's like Mm -hmm. the production when are we going to, st- like, producers get in, right, Joe? They do. You know, there haven't been many, and a lot of them are from the kind of early rock and roll era. The most recent producers who've gotten in are people like now Rogers and Quincy Jones. But, yeah, I, it would be really cool if the Rock Call would start to recognize producers. Oh, my God. Especially 
just ones that weren't only in like the 60s and 70s, you know? Well, that's what I mean. I'm like, there's room for every other fucking white rock band manager in the entire world to put them in <laughs> in some non-performer category. I'm like, put the goddamn Neptunes in, put fucking Timbaland in, put yeah. in Swizz Beats. Well, it's interesting. All the ones that are coming off the top of your head for you are ones that have worked with Jay-Z. You I know? love yeah. their, like, well, because I mm -hmm. really respond very much to production style. I would say my favorite Jay-Z songs have all been produced by probably those four producers that I just named. <laughs> like there are some of my favorite producers. I can like a song by anybody if it was produced by them, but I think Jay brings something very special, not to like de denigrate his talent in any way, but like, mm -hmm. I really do think that the hall and like we as music fans need, I think we do way more now, especially in the age of hip hop and sampling and just with its ubiquity and people understanding it more. But I didn't know in the 90s and 2000s, I remember learning about songs and things because they were sampled, especially Kanye is like the king of taking, you know, a soul funk sample from the 60s and 70s and just turning it up to now. I feel like we don't necessarily give enough credit to these producers, you know, and also put in the pop producers too. put in Max Martin and all the I just think that we could, there it has to be room for some of these producers to get into. And I don't think we've ever really touched on that at all on this show. The non-performer category mm -hmm. is full of literally every person who ever started a record label in the 60s or 70s, if they were a man. People who were associated with Elvis or Ray Charles or Little Richard, and that's cool, but you know, you establish those categories, they should continue with the times. And like, there's a lot of beyond even producers, songwriters that, you know, mm -hmm. made great songs and didn't work in the Brill building. You know, mm -hmm. like we can, we can get, we can work our way up to interesting eras and genres that in the rock hall has really been dragging its feet. They could do some cool things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of producers and, and speaking of Kanye's production work on Jay's songs, the next one I have up is off of the blueprint and is the song Izzo. Michael Jackson sample is just, you can't, can't touch that. That's just... Just perfect. It really broke mainstream that he is Hova too. It, that I think is when people started to really, I don't know, know the the legend of Jay-Z. You know, that song is like about who he is. Yeah, mm -hmm. like here's my nickname, Hova. It's short for Jehovah because I'm God. And, yep. <laughs> and everyone's, everyone's just like, sure, yeah. <laughs> At this point, Let's go with that. <laughs> absolutely. And then the two songs off of the Black Album that I think you still hear, Dirt Off Your Shoulder. Absolutely one of my favorites in the world. The production is very yeah. good. Who produced that song? That was a Timbaland beat. Yeah, that is very much a Timbaland beat. Okay. See, I'm like, mm -hmm. put all the producers in. Let's do this. Let's not forget, Dirt Off Your Shoulder is so ubiquitous. 
Barack Obama referenced it. Right. <laughs> like, all right. Well, I mean, and Jay-Z referenced Barack Obama. It's a two-way street on them. They really have a, they got a friendship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the other one off of the Black Album that I think is, uh, you know, kind of iconic Jay-Z song is 99 Problems. 99 Problems, but a bitch ain't one. Hit me. 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. I know what I know we're going with universal recognition. I don't know. I, I PSA kind of feels like it's teetering on that. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. Oh, H to the O V. I used to move snowflakes by the O C. I guess even back then you can call me CEO of the R. But that might also be just like a diehard J or diehard rap fan anthem. I don't know if I would I would put it up there with recognizability, but please mm-hmm. feel free to chime in with, <laughs> with your picks. Uh, <laughs> As valid as mine. And my pick off, well, I don't think this is, this would be like a second tier song from that album, but it's got that Neptune's production and you know, I just love it. We got to go with Change Clothes. What a time. That pins. <laughs> Switch it up from jerseys to oversized button-up shirts. I love it. (laughs) And then we get to Blueprint 3, which has got two of, you know, both commercially and successful and, you know, still fucking ubiquitous songs, uh, Run This Town with Rihanna. And then potentially his biggest, most iconic song, Empire State of Mind. damn yeah literally don't even think about it legitimately <laughs> i was like had not hadn't crossed my that song is like has crossed into another level unfortunately for itself in some ways it has some uptown funk on it you know like it almost got too big it got too bit. popular and it's fine it's a good song and i think if i was truly from new york uh i would probably feel differently but I feel that it is overexposed, but wow. Well, I mean, John, you're in, you're in New York. Do you want to speak to Kristen's uh, uh, <laughs> thought that she would, I kind of think like if you were in New York, you would think this doesn't represent us. I think it's pretty true to, to New York and his vision of New York. I just think it was just sort of overplayed. It was played a lot. And I think yeah. when it came out, there was a lot of pride, a lot of hometown pride in it. But what I've seen is I don't remember where I was. I was in like, I was in a different country. I, I I can't remember where it was, but the song came on. I was out somewhere and the song came on and it just sort of dawned on me. Like there are people who have never been to New York or had never been to America. And mm-hmm. there are like movies that you see, like mm-hmm. I don't know, Home Alone 2, where you're like, oh, okay, this is what, what New York <laughs> is like. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. 
I can imagine that there are people that hear Empire State of Mind and think, okay, this is my vision of what New York is like. So this is Jay-Z's Home Alone too, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that you when you put it that way, it really does, that is a, a great lens to view it through. It's like a love letter to the city and also kind of like a postcard to everybody else. That was a bar. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's one of those songs you think you're sick of until you're drunk at 2 a.m. and it comes on. It's a closing time song and you're mm-hmm. just like, everybody is like, yeah, New York. Like people have their hands <laughs> in the air. If you're in New York, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm so sick of that song. And then it's 2 a.m. and you're like, I'm not sick of this song. This song is my song. It's like the new Wonderwall or whatever. Right. And then after that, I would say, if there is any song in the rest of his career that is at that level, I would say maybe from Watch the Throne with Kanye Paris. That's just uh, that riff alone I is, mean. is so. Did Kanye yeah. produce that song? Oh, no. Um, that was okay. Hit Boy. Which kind of put him on the map, yeah? Mm-hmm. And that's the power, I think, of Jay. I don't know if we're going to sort of get to this later, but I think in talking about producers, I feel a lot of people got put on the map from working with him. Like when I think about Give It To Me and Pharrell, like I, I was aware of the Neptunes prior to that. I was They had big songs prior to that, but I feel like after that song, they were more... The Neptunes together and Pharrell in particular were a little bit more recognizable outside of the work they do behind the boards. Um, we could say the same for Hit, Hit Boy too. He would. Uh, he was not afraid to go for the producers that aren't the A-list already and raises them up, which I think is very cool. Mm-hmm. To me, that's kind of the end of the top tier. I would agree with that. I think unless we're talking like features with other artists, which then kind of opens up a whole nother can of... Yeah, I mean, like, he features on some of the biggest songs of all time. You talk about Crazy in Love, you know, mm-hmm. with Beyonce. Range, crazy and deranged, they can't figure them out, they like, hey, is he insane? Yes, sir, I'm cut from a different cloth, my texture is the best firm, chinchilla. I've been dealing with chain smokers, how do you think I got the name over? I've been real of the game's over. Talk about Umbrella with Rihanna. No, man. In anticipation for precipitation, stack chips with a rainy day. Jay, Rain Man is back with Little Miss Sunshine. Rihanna, where you at? Those are two songs that are massive for like the mm-hmm. century. Like they are, they are up there with with some of the biggest songs. And of let's all not time. forget Heartbreaker. Uh, Heartbreaker, when we apart, it makes up on a piece of paper. Scribble down, I hate ya, but she knows she loved Jay because she loved everything Jay say Jay does. Let's go on to the next category, which is classic albums. Mm. Now, Jay has put out a lot of records. And, you know, if you're just going by the number ones, you you have a lot to go with. But I think generally, if we're thinking about the albums that at large are considered to be classic, I think the Reasonable Doubt, the debut from 96, Mm -hmm. I think the Blueprint, his sixth album from 2001, and I think think the Black Album from 2003, his eighth album. Mm-hmm. I think those are definitely the top three. Those tend to be the most lauded. And, you know, there are people who will go to bat for nearly every Jay-Z album. 
all the albums have merits. I mean, Blueprint 3 had some very high highs and like had, it was extremely successful, although I think there are people who would refer to it as uneven. And are we calling <laughs> uh, Watch the Throne also yeah. a Jay-Z album? I think I that so. could also qualify in there as like the fourth one. If you're yeah. going to have a fourth, I think it's going to be Watch the Throne. That album was huge. For sure. Yeah, I mean, you can argue a, a lot for him. I think all of those that, that were mentioned are all valid. Some people really ride for volume two. His breakout album, I think it's his best-selling album. Another great album. I don't I don't know if that's like, for me, a certified classic or like right, like one half notch below. 444, there was a lot of conversation around that album. Mm-hmm. The most mm-hmm. recent one from 2017. And also... 10 years before that, American Gangster, which I think when it came out, it was, I don't know, maybe this is just sort of my own <laughs> my own take on it. But when it came out, I was like, that was good. I, I think I felt a little bit like he, when he put out Kingdom Come prior to that, he was sort of talking about some different things and American Gangster sort of felt like going back to the well, as far as the, the topics mm-hmm. and the themes of drug dealing, being the streets, it, it sort of played off of the movie American Gangster. But I think it's aged very well, and I think a lot of people agree with that and sort of have come to really love uh, that album, too. All right. Now, I'm going to connect this category with the next one, Critical Acclaim, by using the bridge that is the Rolling Stone list of the top 500 albums of all time. Mm -hmm. Now, do you guys think Jay-Z is on this list at all? And I have to always acknowledge that there have been three iterations of this list, 2003, a slight update in 2012, and then a massive rehaul in 2020. on the 2021 for sure there is no way that he's not and then i think he might have also been on it earlier i think he maybe had at least one on all of the lists oh god okay so which you think it's only one and, and which one do you think one the- i think on the 2020 he might have two or three john what do you think i'm gonna say two on the most recent one or two two i'm gonna go with two i'm gonna say blueprint and reasonable doubt and okay. I'm going to say the blueprint and they love to put debut albums on. So you're probably right with reasonable doubt, but I just have a very, I'm personally more attached to the black album. And then, so like, I can't, I think the blueprint and the black album, that's what, that's what I think. So on the original mm-hmm. list, we do have reasonable doubt. Reasonable doubt comes in at 248. So just making it into the, the mm-hmm. top half in the slight, Update in 2012, it it went to 250, so exactly at the middle. And then in the 2020 overhaul, do you want to make a guess, Kristen? It definitely went up. Like it's like going to be lower on the list, like number wise, it's going to be higher ranked, lower number. I think it's going to be like at 110. Maybe it'll be higher. So, reasonable doubt comes in at 67. Gosh, on the I really wanted. I should have put it in the top 100, and that's on me. Now, 2003 list. We also have the blueprint. In nice. 2003, it's in what? It's at 4, 407. 464. And then in the 2012, what is usually a slight revamp, shot up to 252. Whoa, okay. So wow. 252 and 250, he was holding it down really hard in the middle in 2012. Okay. <laughs> and then 2020. Is going up. Is it higher than reasonable doubt though? I don't know. What do you think, John? Hmm. What number was the, was reasonable doubt was 67? Yeah. 67. I'm going to go with 115. 
And I'm going to do something very dumb and say 54. 50. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. I mean, the blueprint really, uh, it jumps from year to year at the bottom of the list to the top 50. Now, the Black Album was not on the 2003 list, but is on the 2012 list. Whoa, okay. At 349. Okay. And, and then, then it's still, it's still there in, there in, in the 2020. 2020. Well, maybe the Black Album is at 125. Okay, John, do you want to wager a guess? <laughs> I'm going to go with 143. 155. Oh, okay. Ah, very close. Yeah, so Jay has a considerable presence on these lists every year. And as we take that and, and think about the next category, critical acclaim, Jay is so critically beloved that it's almost absurd. Like you look at every magazine, if they ever make a list and it doesn't matter what list it is, it could be <laughs> the greatest artists. And that's including everybody. Jay is uh, always on there. It's including painters. It's <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know, you do greatest songs, you know, he's on there. You do greatest mm -hmm. albums. He's on there. You do greatest rappers. He's usually at the top. There are publications and critics who would put him literally at number one. Like it mm -hmm. cannot be overstated. The critics lose their minds for, for Jay-Z. I think his skills as a lyricist, I think really are, are appealing to the critics. He has a really incredible flow. He's really skilled at rhyming and writing. And then the delivery is very special. But beyond that, also, he can choose a producer. And so, therefore, he has these really gifted and skilled producers who are packaging these songs in a way that is pleasing to critical and mainstream mm -hmm. ears. You know, we're doing the Biggie episode or the Tupac episode or like, you know, you're looking at the greats and it's like Jay-Z has so many more hits, A, because he has been around longer, but also he worked with a lot of producers and has a lot of just kind of like mainstream appeal and mm -hmm. is able to... People are always like, oh, Snoop Dogg is America's favorite gangster. And it's like, I, it's actually Jay-Z. He is like so beloved and so critically acclaimed and popular. I do think that it has a lot to do with the packaging and the way that the songs were made. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, also thinking about the fact that he was, he evolved as an artist mm -hmm. and that that is partially through his collaborations with his producers like you were saying but the things that he was talking about and and the things that he wanted to address i think not staying in one lane but being a daring artist uh is something that is appealing to to the critics for sure and and to add to that he just sort of lived life and got older he sort of had different perspectives and insights on things and he was you know willing to share and be open about that and yeah and I think I think the producers he's worked with he's worked with I think I don't know if he gets enough credit as a songwriter and as as just a creator of songs and like having like a great ear to, to pick these great beats and to know how to make something that the raps and the bars are going to be high level but also that have a hook that's catchy or a mm -hmm. chorus or a bridge mm -hmm. and I think he does that extremely well I think Biggie did that really well before him and I think he sort of took that baton and and sort of kept going with it next category is commercial success mm. come hmm. on <laughs> so I, I was trying to count it out 11 number one 
albums as a solo artist, which is the most of any solo artist. He surpassed Elvis a few years ago. And honestly, uh, good for him. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I- <laughs> uh, and like even the collaboration albums, three of those went number one. And yes, that is including Collision Course with Linkin Park. Oh, yeah. dear. <laughs> which oh. is technically an EP. He's one of the highest selling artists of, of all time. Sold over 50 million albums, 75 million singles. All right, next category. You know, it's like, <laughs> what else is there to say? Like he's, he's, sold, he's sold so much. There's no, there's no, nothing to really discuss here. So let's talk about the next category, which is longevity, which is another mm-hmm. thing that he really excels in. You know, the first release recording was a single in 1995. He's releasing an album every year and they're going to number one until his retirement in 2003 but then he's back in 2006 with another number one album and then has another streak and he is still to this day like his last official album was 2017 but to this day he's still relevant and we don't see that that often his longevity is almost unmatched like the fact that 25 years in he is still considered to be one of the top artists. Mm-hmm. He's still one of our biggest celebrities. And if he, the next album he releases is still going to be an event. Like people mm-hmm. are going to listen to that. And it Even will- if you can only get it on title though, <laughs> big question, big question. Very we good. haven't discussed that. Very we've good. We've discussed yeah. that it might be harder in the future. Just that is one of the interesting things. Like, I mean, we kind of mentioned his mogulness, but you know, the just saying like, I'm big enough that I'm going to start my own streaming network. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. sir. And that's, you know, a lot of, you know, the, the past few albums and releases and stuff, they have had some component of brand synergy, whether it's, you know, cause he ended up having a partnership with live nation and then made rock nation, you know, like there, there's mm-hmm. all these different things that you could call it savvy. I think, there are some people who would criticize it for maybe being more on the sellout side of the spectrum, but he, yeah, he, he's attempting to, to own it all. When you think of the greats of rap and the greats of hip hop, you're like, obviously Biggie and Tupac are going to be vying for the one and two spot for most people due to a lot of mitigating circumstances, right? When you move beyond that in the number three spot, pretty much, for many people, you're going to put Jay-Z. And I do think there's a lot of people who would put Jay-Z at number one. Yeah. Yeah. Would you put him at number one? <laughs> Ooh, that's tough. Um, <laughs> skin spicy. Um, it's hard. I'm such, a, I'm such a biggie fan. I think all things considered, I would probably put him in the number one just because it's just really hard to dispute or debate. 25 years. Hip hop is like, I think, turning 45 five this year if I'm not mistaken or 44 and 25 of those years Jay-Z has been pretty much dominant and that is critically commercially like we were just saying it's just really tough to to debate yeah it, you know it's that thing again of personal taste versus you know the attempt to be objective I want to talk about let's do the next category which is influence what kind of influence that Jay has had on hip hop. But then also I do think his influence, you know, even goes beyond that. Yeah. I mean, if he hadn't fucked mm-hmm. up so hard, we would not have lemonade. And, you know, I guess I have <laughs> him to thank for that. <laughs> like truly because damn, I love that album. And so I guess thank you for really just showing your whole damn ass out there. <laughs> 
fucking up <laughs> so bad. Who do we think are the kind of descendants of Jay-Z? I mean, there's some obvious ones who are literally collaborators with him, like Kanye. Mm-hmm. By extension, I think you can put Drake in that category mm-hmm. as well. Yep. Uh, and J. Cole and mm-hmm. Kendrick. Wayne. Lil Wayne. Mm-hmm. Lil Wayne um, in some ways. It's not too crazy to be like, yeah, any any rapper that came after Jay-Z had some influence. Yeah, I think I think in some ways his career has been the picture of what success in rap looks like for a lot of people. Everything going down, I mean, to, to bring Beyonce back into it, that is like hip hop's official power couple. And I think a lot of people have aspired to that, whether it's Meek and Nicki dating, when they were together, just the way he's done it, the one album every year, Mm-hmm. people look at his career and sort of aspire to to do it the way he has. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the next category is artistry slash skill. We touched on this a lot, but, you know, he he's exceptional as a lyricist. He's an exceptional as, uh, you know, his flow, even down to picking producers and making albums. You know, he is someone who can, each album exists as its own statement. And I think that is a hallmark of an artist who can make, you know, each album be its own thing that he wants to say. Well, and we mm-hmm. talked about this on the Mary J episode, but also using features, using soul artist features and having singers sing the hook. He kind of brought that around. It's now we just take it for granted, but that wasn't just happening all the time in the mid nineties. And then you look at that too, with his ultimate partnership with Beyonce, where it's like, you have the rapper and the singer making tracks together, bringing the best of both worlds and kind of melding it together and creating this new path that we're all on now. Like that all songs kind of sound like in a way, you know, mm-hmm. he did it. I would add to that collaborations with other rappers. And he's just someone that if he's on a track with someone else who you consider his peer, he's going to show you why he's better than them. You know, he's going to outwrap them or it's going to be or it's going to be close. You know, Um, it's going to it's going to be an event for that reason. And I think that just speaks to how skilled he is as a lyricist. Well, and I mean, he's on one of the greatest like feature tracks of all time that has so many incredible features on it that like monsters Godzilla King Kong Loch Ness Goblin Ghoul a zombie with no conscience question what do these things all have in common everybody knows I'm a motherfucking monster conquer stop this stop your silly nonsense nonsense none of you niggas know where the swamp is none of you niggas have seen the carnage that I've seen I still hear things scream to me that is obviously Nicki Minaj's breakout it's her breakout she's absolutely bodies everyone on the track there is no one who can come near her and I'm sorry it's the one time that Jay-Z can't uh can't touch anybody like she's incredible on that track but it's like he is I think of that that song as like this culmination of all of these like greats getting together and like just making six minutes of just nonstop damn he's he's all over everything and it's not an exaggeration to say that anybody who does any sort of rap or hip hop now is influenced by Jay-Z. There's just no one who isn't like, you're not going to be able to say, Oh yeah. Like what I grew, I grew up off the grid. 
and somehow I'm I'm a hip hop artist. <laughs> yeah, right. I never, like, and I thought I was inventing this with the cows. Like, I'm not sure how you could possibly. It's in the it's in the very it. fabric. It, it's inescapable. Um, mm-hmm. All right, last category, maybe the most important category. Does my mom know who they are? And like. Yeah, dude. <laughs> did you even have to ask her? Did no, you ask your mom? Of I, didn't I ask didn't. Her. I'm like, I don't have to ask my mother this. She knows who Jay Z so is. One There's of the no most, way she one doesn't. of the most famous people alive. And like, even if you're not tuned into anything, you've heard the name. And I'm thinking of someone who's like literally living on like a a farm miles away from civilization, <laughs> like. The real right. off the grid rapper that I was referencing. Yeah, that person, <laughs> even that scenario you created, I would guess that that person had heard of, of Jay-Z. People know <laughs> Jay-Z in every country in the world. The u- ubiquity is out of control. Jay-Z has permeated the culture in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows who Jay-Z is. If you know anything about hip hop or anyone from hip hop, he's most likely the person that you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. If you if you know one rapper, you, it's probably Jay Z. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like you know, you were saying you were traveling outside of the country and you heard Empire State of Mind. You know, when I was traveling in the '90s outside of the country, I'm from Chicago, and people would be like, "Oh, you're from Chicago, Michael Jordan." You know, like <laughs> yes, we know. Like that was like what everyone thinks of when they think of Chicago. They think of Michael Jordan. You think of outside of this country, you think of rap music. They're like Jay Z. Yeah, like mm-hmm. we love him. He's one of the those prototypes, figures. Some one of might those say few figures that has that level of fame worldwide. Mm-hmm. All right, it's time for our verdict. Should Jay Z be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Will Jay-Z get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? And will it happen this year? We'll start with Kristen. Boy, Joe, it's such a such a difficult one. You know, <laughs> yeah, take your time. <laughs> Gosh, hmm. Uh, obviously, yes, he should get in. He will get in, and it will probably be this year. I think that if he doesn't get in this year, he will get in next year, and that will maybe be better for him because it will be in New York, and then he can enjoy it more yeah literally in a venue that he used to own exactly that's like so it's if he doesn't get in this year i'm like was there some funny business where he called up hbo and said i will not be attending so do with that what you will peace or like his people Mm -hmm. called them up i don't think we're not coming to cleveland literally spending any time (laughs) thinking about coming to cleveland i just don't see it happening Uh, so i think if it doesn't happen this year it was collusion um i really do i do believe it will have been collusion yeah. if there if he's not in this year because he is such a fucking slam dunk of a first year eligible mm-hmm. person he is 100 that guy he absolutely needs to be in he should get in he will get in and we'll know why if he doesn't this year <laughs> john what do you think should he will he will it be this year i'm with kristen on this one this is a no-brainer i think he absolutely should get in i think he will get in and i believe it will happen this year yeah uh i think i'm with you guys we've done so many artists on this show and uh very three few, whole damn years <laughs> very few no I, I i think definitively no one has done better in the categories than jay-z it, maxing out every single thing like there's there's no argument to be made there wasn't even a category where we had to do any stretching or it was like mm-hmm. oh this is the mm-hmm. one where he doesn't do that well no not, right. not even a little bit not even a little bit tens across the board yes and then some and i think it will be this year i think the only thing in jay-z's way this year 
is that he's not the only hip hop artist on the ballot. And I, mm. I don't think this is going to be a lot of voters, but I do think there will be some who will look at who's on the ballot and will go, okay, well, Jay-Z doesn't get in before LL. Again, right. I don't think that's going to be a lot of people. I think it maybe will take away a few votes from what he normally Bob Merlis only. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, I mean, like there, there's that. And also it is stiff competition this year. He is not as much of a slam dunk as we were predicting he would before we saw that Tina Turner and Carol King were on the, on the ballot and that kind of upended things. Uh, he was no longer the number one slam dunk, uh, but I still think it's going to happen. And uh, so let's talk about the induction. Should it happen this year? Who do we think should give the speech to induct Jay-Z? Oh my God. There's like a million people. Yeah. And you can start with people who have collaborated with him. Someone who was on the ballot this year, Mary J. Blige. I, you know, she's Yeah, Mary J. She's given, shown up. She's given the speeches before. So has Eminem. Uh, yeah. And I believe that he's cool with both of them. The Hall loves to get Alicia Keys in the mix. They really do love mm. that now. Um, I think about Rihanna again as someone. Oh yeah, has she ever mm -hmm. inducted anybody? No, as, no, she is not. Oh my God, the hall would love also to just get her back in the spotlight because you know we're all just waiting with bated breath. What's she gonna do next? Yeah, someone who is a newly a member of the board of the Rock Hall and has inducted he inducted now Rogers Pharrell. Mm -hmm. I thought about Pharrell too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's a there's a strong connection and they've collaborated and done a lot of songs together. Well, and he's quite beloved as well. That would be a good look for them, too. We're talking big marquee names, Timberlake. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, they toured together. They, you know, they are on each other's songs. Yeah, I guess I I and maybe it's just the mental and social circles that I run in. I'm like, I think we're kind of over him as a concept, I think we are revisiting maybe some of the Janet Jackson bullshit. I think mm -hmm. we're revisiting a lot of the um, Britney stuff, the Britney stuff. We're revisiting a lot of the appropriation. And I just don't think this is 2021, not 2011. And I don't see like Justin Timberlake. And I say this as a person who used to really like Justin Timberlake. I don't like hate him, but I would say that I'm like a soft okay on him now. Yeah. But also, this is the rock hall we're talking about. So that is true. They they're are still, dumb as hell. They're still they, gonna call them up. It is 2011 to them. I would be very annoyed. Uh -huh. I would be. I actually now I'm now I've gone all the way around. I was like, oh no no probably not not Timberlake. Now I'm like absolutely no. not. You <laughs> no. will not have stupid Justin Timberlake. Uh, now I'm mad. I actually now I really do. That's well, a no for me. Well, let me no. uh, let me offer a name that is crazy but not impossible <laughs> like, what? Uh, obama oh, oh that my seems God. like you get obama you get the obamas to cleveland if beyonce and jay-z and the obamas are all in cleveland what would happen cleveland I would just, i, I it mean would, it would break off with going to lake erie <laughs> what the like that much energy i don't think cleveland can handle it that's actually i really do think that might be too much black excellence for cleveland to handle i don't think it would be able to really envelop it that would obama obama barack it's a, obama it's a thought out there mm -hmm. i mean in, and it's i know it's i would put it as very unlikely but i would know, say it's but then not it's impossible like then you do the next year in new That'd york and then it could work it would I mean, be incredible what if he gets inducted 
and Tina gets inducted and Oprah inducts Tina and like they have Oprah and Oprah, Obama. the Obamas, the Carters. I simply, I cannot imagine it. I actually can, and it's it's starting. I'm gonna cry. Well, here's another <laughs> one outside of music, and if it's in Cleveland, LeBron. LeBron, yeah. Thought about him too. That'll okay. be that'll be big. And that seems possible. Not like he'll, no shade. He'll, we but know he'll like, go to Cleveland. <laughs> but we know that LeBron will go to Cleveland. <laughs> we know that he famously will take his talents to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And and so I I think that that could happen. My big fear uh, is that he wouldn't go if he got like that he wouldn't show up because the the other thing about some of these new these first year eligible artists is like it's like with Radiohead they are still touring they're still big names they're still making music and so it's like you don't want to be considered a legacy act yeah you know and that's maybe the implication especially when you're getting inducted the same year as some of these artists who've been around for 50 years but I don't think I I get the sense that Jay wouldn't look at it that way. I think Jay would love the idea of getting inducted on his first year of eligibility. And like, mm-hmm. it's just Being another, a legend, yeah. it's another like, yeah, notch on the, on the legend post. Yes. And also I can already hear him writing bars about exactly. it. And I'm like, that would be so good. Okay. <laughs> See, now I'm back in. Okay. But here's the thing. I do think that they're going to have to like, finesse it they're gonna have to wine and dine they're gonna have to really blow a lot of fucking of their budget on trying to get jay-z to cleveland and get him to bring the missus you get beyonce in the building and like they would be so fucking lucky she's the biggest pop star on the fucking planet and and who else would you want to do a tina tribute get get out of here exactly and she's gonna get in well and like tina's really gonna get in and so Jay Z gets in too. Oh we could, my we could god! We have an aligning of the stars that would Cleveland, be Cleveland. Are you ready? Really exceptional. Shit. And you know what, oh, Kristen? We we're gonna be there. there. Well, we're gonna go. <laughs> nice, John. If if Jay Z gets inducted, would you go? Yeah, that'd be cool to see. You're gonna come with us, and you're you're gonna sit with us. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we'll have That's a great so time. Nice, love it. What songs do we think Jay Z would perform? Hmm. I, I my thoughts are like, do... if you do four. You do Hard Knock Life, Big Pimp, and 99 Problems, Empire State of Mind. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. it's. I was just like, Empire State of Mind, that's the jam. Everybody comes out for Empire State of Mind. In- so weird to do it in <laughs> so Cleveland. Wired. Yeah, yeah. It's so weird. <laughs> I think maybe he swaps in something recent for Big Pimpin'. Maybe. I, I could see him yeah. doing that. Mm-hmm. I'm with the other three. It'd be dope if he did something, even something like a little political. I think could be interesting, especially for that audience. Mm-hmm. A story of OJ. OJ like, I'm not black, I'm OJ. Okay. House nigga, don't fuck with me. I'm a field nigga with Sean Cutlery. Go play the quarters where the butlers be. I'm gonna play the corners with a hustler. Yeah, and you're right that he would. I mean, I would put it past him to do a song that is unreleased like that is coming out you know to further like push Cement, that, like yeah to push like i'm not done you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm, which right. is, i think a move that he would make and make oh it a moment God. as well it would be such mm-hmm. a moment even, even even more of a moment most of the time i am not even remotely excited about seeing a lot of the bands that are being inducted and this would just Oh my God. We're going to find out soon what the full class is. Like, what if it happens? What if Tina gets in and Jay Z gets in and then Beyonce shows up? I know. And I mean, 
I I know I that's like a good concert. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's like a thing. Yeah. I saw it. Like I, I, I there is such an opportunity. <laughs> I just can't. I'm freaking out because there's such an opportunity to make a great show and to mm-hmm. make a great class out of this. I don't think they will. Like I'm not. I don't hold have your, my hopes. Not holding your breath. Up. Yeah. Yeah, I know that we're going to be seeing some bullshit and that the Foo Fighters are going to close or whatever. But like, hang, hold on just one second. Please okay. go off. Go I'm off. back. I'm back. I'm so mad. I get upset. But like, okay. So for example, let's say Los Foo Fighters just get on in. They ride the alternative rock wave on in. You don't have the Foo Fighters close a show that jay-z is on right i don't think uh, that seems wild to me i'm like that then they illegal. open <laughs> it seems illegal yeah. I agree. <laughs> the man is a legend he is a legend in the field he's a living legend i don't think anyone could say that about and i'm just using them once again as more of an example of just some like solid good to mediocre rock music you know, I think I, the Foo yes. Fighters are solid and they are good. Okay. Please don't come for me. But Jay-Z is a goddamn legend. He is. It's true. There's a lot of legends. Okay. There's a lot of legends on the ballot this year. Just Tina um, Turner. I mean, this is our last episode covering an artist before the inductees are announced. So that's coming up soon in a few weeks. And uh, we'll be, we'll be doing episodes in the mm. next few weeks where we call up voters, see if we can uh, influence some votes. I'm looking forward to that. But this is the final episode. Uh, we've covered everybody else on the ballot, if not this year, then in other years. So, John, I want to thank you again for being on the show. This was a lot of fun to talk about Jay-Z, and I think you were the perfect guy to do it with. So thank you. For sure. Thank you so much for having me. This is, this is dope. Um, I want to give you the opportunity to plug away your social media you know the stuff you're writing is probably going to be at, at level but you know whatever you want to mm-hmm. whatever you want to plug um yeah you guys can find me at young jfk on all socials twitter instagram and on a day-to-day basis running level level mag it's level.medium.com we're a site for black and brown men age 30 and up cover culture politics race relationships basically everything to be your best best version of yourself awesome i like that i would like people to read that and do that (laughs) and (laughs) our uh our listeners know they can follow us at rock hall pod on twitter and instagram rock hall pod at gmail.com is the email if you want Kristen to read your message you need to designate that somewhere in there otherwise i'm not going to forward it subscribe to us on apple Podcasts. rate and review us five stars only legitimately a review that's less than five stars, even if it's four, that's rude. Don't do that to us. Thank you to Mike Lloyd for the logo. Thank you to Yusu Kim for the music. Thank you to AKG for that microphone. And thank you to Pantheon Podcasts for hosting us. I'm Joe Kozala. I'm Grayson Stutter. And who cares about the rock hall? Rock hall.